When Jesus gave the Great Commission, as we've come to understand that and call it in Matthew 28, I think sometimes we misunderstand the concept that he was giving there and think it means other nations, foreign missions. But this is what he said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. When Jesus gave this great commandment, or great commission that we call it, he told us to make disciples of all nations. He did not use the word for nations, however, as it is translated into English. He used the term for ethnic groups or races. He said and used the expression panta ta ethne, which is different ethnic groups, which literally means people groups individuals around the world. As we think about that, we, we know that no nation, people, culture, or any individual is excluded when we are told by Jesus to go. And neither was any individual or people group or nation excluded when it is recorded in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life, no one is excluded from God's plan of salvation. No one is excluded from having the privilege of hearing the gospel. No one is excluded in the charge that he gave to the church Christians in delivering the message of the gospel to folks everywhere. This month, I will be, or excuse me, January, I will be preaching through a series on doing my part. Doing my part. That doesn't mean I cut off a little slice and that's all I'm going to do and some other things are other people's responsibility. It really means I'm going to give my all to do all that I can, which is exactly what God requires of me, that I give my total self, my talents, my life, my love, my money, my blessings. I give all that I have and all that I am to follow his will and his call to do the work of ministry in the local area, in the church itself, outside of the church, in the area beyond our local area, and ultimately to the uttermost parts of the world that we are called on to carry the gospel, to minister to people, to meet their needs. You will notice in the life and ministry of Jesus, it was not unusual for him before he mentioned the spiritual needs to take care of the physical needs. It was not unusual for him to 
heal the one who needed to be healed. It was not unusual for him to raise the one from the dead that he was going to raise from the dead and then give words of encouragement to follow him and then give words of the gospel and instructions to others. And he often worked in that way and he sends us out to be ministers of everyone beginning right here in Jerusalem where we live and to the uttermost parts of the world. You see, God's desire is that every person know him and worship him. Now, that doesn't mean every person is going to come to know him and not every person is going to worship him. But we don't know who will respond. We don't know who will be open to the presentation of the gospel. We don't know when and where and to whom the Holy Spirit will be speaking and dealing. We're to be obedient. We're not called upon to decide who God has chosen that he will save or his Holy Spirit will deal with them. We're not to decide on that. We're to go in obedience to his command. We're to work. We're to do ministry. We're to be involved in the church ministry regardless of whom it may be an impact to and who it may encourage and bless. Some have never even heard the gospel. Right here in this community, some have never even heard the gospel. Now, years ago when I was much younger and, and towns where I was around, was, they were much smaller, we couldn't imagine that, that anybody in our little town of Tifton, Georgia, and matter of fact, Georgia counties are a lot smaller than Alabama counties, and we could not, matter of fact, the whole county of Tift County wasn't but 22,000 people. And we couldn't imagine that anybody in our county, anybody in our city, had not heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why, there was a Baptist church almost everywhere, not a couple of miles apart throughout the county. And then you fill in with the Methodist church and the Pentecostal church and, and the other churches. And to know that there were churches, as we would say in town, there's one on every street corner. And we would, could not imagine that anyone had escaped hearing the gospel. But today, we understand we have people all around us right here in this community, maybe even just across the street in one of these, on one of these streets that face the church here. We may be uh, right in the midst of folks who have never heard the message of the gospel of Jesus. When we think about it, we have to remember that the total person, the, I mean, the reason that the person of the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary is that we could tell others and everyone would have an opportunity to come into the family of God. Most of us have a selfish perspective of Christ's redemptive death. Ask why Jesus died on the cross? Most of us reply would reply, so I could be forgiven of my sin. That is true. But Jesus, in his own explanation to his disciples in Luke chapter 24, verses 43 through 47, 
expressed a much broader perspective than what we see most of the time. He says, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all peoples, all people groups, all ethnicity, ethnicity, I get it right. All people should hear about Jesus because Jesus died for the whole wide world. Listen to Romans 10, 13. Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But we are confronted with a crucial question in that verse that follows. He says, whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But listen to the next verse. How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a messenger? Oh, we like the way the King James says it better, though, don't we? How can they hear without a preacher? And through the years, it's become the minister's responsibility. It is my responsibility. It is the other minister's responsibility on your church staff. But Jesus was not signifying that in this passage. He was saying that every believer has a responsibility of sharing the gospel with others that they may come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not simply talking about the work of evangelism. I'm not simply just talking about us going out and knocking on the door and sharing a gospel track or sharing your testimony. I'm talking about the total ministry of the church, the people that have been saved, called, set aside, and commissioned to do the work that Jesus sends us to do. There is more to it than just sharing a gospel track, more to it than sharing your personal testimony. It has to do with ministering to folks where they are in their needs and trying to help meet that need. Last Sunday afternoon, what a blessing. If you were not here to participate, you don't have a clue of what a blessing that was. I made up my mind, I told the staff earlier in the week, that I was going to stand out here under the drive through next to the nursery, and I was going to speak to every carload of folks I was going to share with them our love for them, our desire to see them blessed, and ask every car, every car, is there any way I can pray for you? Is there anything I can pray with you concerning things in your life? I was simply overwhelmed. I had to be interrupted about 30 minutes after it was supposed to end because we still had people in line waiting to receive groceries and waiting to be prayed for because what I was doing, the ministry I was involved in, took a little longer than handing a bag of groceries. So we tried to get ahead and, and stay ahead, but it just got to be where it could not be done because of the needs they were sharing or the prayer requests they were giving. 
Do you know how many people heard it Christmas time? Do you know how many people in the community where you live, maybe even in your family, and perhaps even in this room this morning, that Christmas time is not the jolly old time of rejoicing and having a great time that it is presented to be? And I want you to know car after car, I mean, I cannot tell you out of those numbers of cars who came through, how many of them would say to me, my mother died at Christmas last year. My dad died right before Christmas. My brother was killed in a car wreck about this time last year. And I'm just so sad when Christmas comes around. Pray for me. Others would say, I've just been diagnosed with cancer, and I don't know how I'm going to face it. I cannot even go through all of the things that were shared with me and that I got to pray with people about. It wasn't just, thank you for coming, Lord bless them, meet their needs, go and get your food. It was time-consuming. It was energy-consuming. It was difficult and emotionally I can't tell you the number of times a car would drive off with the tears running out of my eyes over what I had just shared from them and, and as they had shared with me and, and then me praying with them. And then they would ride up and some of our happiest folks in the church were outside last Sunday. Others that are happy inside, packing the bags, getting it all ready. Others pulling wagons, bringing those bags full of groceries out there and putting them up on the picnic tables outside. And others taking those picnic tables and keeping them pushed forward and lined up. And others taking them out to the ones that were placing them in the car. And others placing them in the car. And I, I would give them a piece of paper that would tell the person that was going to give them the food how many bags they qualified for. And we were very gracious. If someone would say, my mama is at home and can't get out and, and she doesn't have any groceries, can I get a bag for her? Why, sure you can. I give them a piece of paper with a number two on it. Someone would say, oh, my neighbor's an, an invalid and she said if there's any way she can have groceries, could I take some for her? And my daughter is in the bed and she's having trouble with her pregnancy and can't get out. Can I take some for her? Sure. Three would go on their little paper and they'd go turn in three and be given three bags of groceries. We had one, two different car, cars that came from Seton Haven. And they would say, I, I know you're not supposed to do this, but listen, there are other folks living there. And some of them asked me, could I please bring them a a bag of groceries. They just don't have anything right now. I said, how many ask you? Six, six bags of groceries. And they'd say, really? I says, yes, if you're, if you're not telling the truth, then it's your problem to confess to the Lord. And they said, oh yeah, I'm telling the truth. <laughs> and that we'd give them that. Well, we didn't quite get rid of all the groceries. Somewhere around 50 were left. But the grocery bags were taken over to Chisholm where uh, Strong Tower, Flatline, that's right, Flatline was having their toy sale. You know, they just take a, a 50 cents for this and a dollar for that, and these new toys, wonderful toys are there, and families that can't afford to get Christmas for their children come over there. So we had those bags taken over there, 
and they gave a bag of groceries to every family that was there for the toy sale. So we ministered to the Chisholm community as well as we did to this. I'm telling you, behind us, Piggly Wiggly announced over their PA system, you can leave and go get your grocery bags over at Dowrader Baptist Church. They're giving away free groceries and they like to run into each other, getting outside and getting in their cars and lined up to come. Food, what's it, out, what's it called? Food outlet? Food outlet right over here on Coliseum Boulevard. They saved us thousands of dollars by giving us from their already discounted prices, greater discounts, and even called us on Monday to tell us that they had overcharged us because they gave a different size can than they said they were going to give us and lowered the price by another $800, saving us thousands under what we paid for groceries last year. Let me tell you, when the people of God are willing, when the people of God will make the sacrifices, when the people of God will say, we're going to do it, we don't have it, we're going to do it, and God's going to bless it, He indeed has blessed it. And many mouths got fed. Many lives were encouraged last Sunday. And many folks, members of this church, left here blessed like they never thought they would be by experiencing that. We had a group that, let me tell you, had somebody, saw them over at the grocery store. They said, I saw you at your church last Sunday. I was over there and and went to give them the check and to thank them. And, and we took them one of the poinsettias that nobody bought and, and gave it to them, just trying to say to them, we appreciate your... They said, we want to be a part of it. You can count us. If you're doing it next year, you can count on us. We want to be a part of it. I said, well, better than that, on, next year on the sign, we're going to say that you are partners in ministry with us and giving out the food. He said, really? I said, yep, we're going to do it. Because a church was just willing to step outside of our comfort zone, willing to color outside the lines, and willing to be a blessing to folks that we may never see again. God honored that. And we came to communion last Sunday night. I know you could tell your pastor was worn to a frazzle. I really was. I, I, my back was hurting so bad from leaning over in those cars and standing out there for that two and a half hours, then straight in here and rehearsing with the deacons for communion and then doing the communion service. But I'm telling you, I was so blessed. I was so full last Sunday night. I could hardly stand it over what God did in our lives and through our lives last Sunday afternoon. It was a real blessing. That's what I'm talking about. That's what Jesus is talking about in meeting the needs and sharing the gospel. We were able to share with so many people, and I talked to them about Jesus, prayed with them about Jesus. There's a potential to our devotion. You see, we have to ask our question, ourselves a question. Are we content? Are we satisfied with our own personal salvation? 
and willing to ignore the multitudes who have never been saved? Are we okay just being satisfied with our little church group and with no concern or care about the folks who live around this church and in your community where you live that do not know Jesus? Will we draw a circle around our own church membership and say, we'll bless these four no more? Will we just do that or will we be willing to go outside of our comfort zone, outside of our personal place of influence and where we feel at home? Are we willing to make the sacrifice to help others experience the love of God through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Will we not recognize the potential that God has placed in our hands and the lives that he's given us so that we can fulfill the great commission? We can pray for specific unreached people until the strongholds of resistance are broken down, and the doors of witness are open. We can give more sacrificially, like to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, where we march to the manger, walk to the manger last Sunday morning. And you know, when you, when you just look at last Sunday, if you could just walk through that in your mind for a minute, last Sunday morning, Bible study, come to worship, and we worship about the I mean, excuse me, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, his birth, we celebrated that. We talked about his love. And then the ministers we did last Sunday afternoon and to come in here last Sunday evening with the largest crowd we've had in this sanctuary since before COVID. Take communion. Gratefully being reminded of what Jesus has done for us. But folks, if that's as far as it goes, I have to question our gratitude. grateful. A grateful heart is determined to share. A grateful heart is unselfish. A grateful heart cares more about the salvation of others. A grateful heart is more concerned about the propagation of the gospel in our community, in our neighborhood, in our family, and all around. We're more concerned about that than we are anything else. Did you take communion with a grateful heart? Did you leave here last Sunday night with a grateful heart that God has used this church to minister to the community, has blessed this church to be a part of the greatest enterprise of missionaries the world has ever known through the International Mission Board and our missionaries as Southern Baptists all over the world who have been a part of taking communion with fellow believers and gratefully being reminded that he was born in Bethlehem, destined to Calvary. A grateful heart 
will cause you to act in a grateful way. Of giving yourself away. Giving oneself away, caring. We need to give more sacrificially. We need to give, to give more to the Dalreda Baptist Church offering so that ministries can be financed. But what about the work of evangelism? How about the real ministry of the church? Can I tell you a secret? It ain't about us. It's about them. It's not about the happy and saved. It's about the lowly and lost. And the ministry of the church, though it is supposed to be a support ministry for other believers, it is a wonderful fellowship of coming together. It is a joyous occasion. It is a time of admonishing one another, encouraging one another, loving one another, supporting one another, being there for one another. But when we get through with one another, all of the one another's ought to go out and care for a lost and a dying world that's bound for hell for eternity. It's more than just us getting together. So finally, if we're willing to go, there's a potential within God's people to bring many in this community and in this world the saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But it requires a devotion. A devotion that says with Isaiah when he said, here am I, Lord, send me. If we devote ourselves to pray, to give, and to go, the potential exists for a multitude from every tribe, from every people group, for every ethnicity, to bring them in the family of God. For them to be saved. Here am I. Send me. For you see, that's what the revelation reveals will be the outcome. For Revelation 7 and 9 says that there will be a multitude from every tribe, people group, and family throughout time around the throne of heaven because of the faithfulness of God's people. What is the gospel we're to share? I'm going to give it to you in a nutshell. Paul writing to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says this, beginning with verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which you are also saved. If you hold fast that word, which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scripture. What is the gospel that he has declared? That he came. 
that he died, that he was buried, and that he rose again. I remember the old hymn, Tell Me the Story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Tell how the angels in chorus sang as they welcomed his birth. Glory to God in the highest, peace and goodwill on earth. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious sweetest that ever was heard. Fasting alone in the desert, tell of the days that are past, how far since he was tempted, yet was triumphant at last. Tell of the years of his labor, tell of the sorrows he bore. He was despised and afflicted, homeless, rejected, and poor. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, the sweetest that ever's been heard. Tell of the cross where they nailed him, writhing in anguish and pain. Tell of the grave where they laid him. Tell how he lives again. Love in that story so tender, clearer than ever I see. Stay, let me weep while you whisper, love, pay the ransom for me. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that's ever. That's the gospel, the story of Jesus. Tell of his birth, tell of his life, tell of his death, tell of his resurrection, to offer life, forgiveness to all who will believe. Wow. The question is, will I do my part? Well, I use my gifts, my talents, my energy, my love, my finances, my life to be an instrument of God's grace to reach this world with the gospel of Jesus. As we're about to begin a new year, 2022, wow, I still remember Y2K like it was yesterday, how we were scared to death that all the computers were going to shut down, and all the power grid was going to shut down, and everything was going to blow up. What are we scared of in 2022? A world is waiting 
They don't even know how to say it. But the desire of their heart really is, tell me the story of Jesus. Tell how he loves me. Tell me how he cares. Tell me what he did for me. And every ministry team in this church plays a vital part in that becoming reality. I pray you'll already be praying, seeking. There are five Sundays in the month of January. The ministry fair will be on the fifth Sunday. We're going to let Sunday school out early and start the service a little late so that everybody will have a time to go to the ministry fair and sign up, make your decisions, make your commitments to where you can serve in the local church. It's so needed, folks. You haven't even realized what's taken place. We've gone from a ministry-led church to the time that the ministers do everything, church. And as pastor, I want to apologize to you for that happening. We should have never let that happen. We do, we do everything to try to make it where you can be a part of ministry. That's not a complaint. But last Sunday afternoon, you got here, Brother Tommy and Brother Joseph and the two ladies, Kimmy and Stephanie and Marlene and April and Pam, gotten all that stuff all lined up in the fellowship hall, unboxed it all, got it all ready, had the wagons already in place, had the paper bags already there had instructions, had the table set up, had the staples, staplers already there. Everything was done. That ain't right. Not a one of them complained, and they're going to get mad that I'm, that I'm bringing this up to you because they enjoyed it. But we've got to get back to the church doing the ministry. We've really got to get back to the church being involved in it all, that ministry teams get that together. A ministry team gets all the food together and it's purchased and, and it's all lined up and the wagons are ready and the bags are ready and the tables are ready and people come in and serve. We just need to be here to encourage you and to lead you. And I know COVID caused that to a great degree, but we'd need to quit blaming everything on COVID and take responsibility of where we are and what we need to do. So there's going to be time for you to sign up for ministry teams. And I'm going to be preaching a series, doing my part. The question is, will you do your part that the gospel can be shared, that people can be saved, that lives can be changed, 
and this church can grow and continue on for years to come. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the message of your word. Sometimes it's hard. I love to preach sermons where we can giddy up and go and shout and holler and have a good time. Sometimes we just need to settle down and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we just need to take an inventory of our own lives, of our own church, of our own ministries. And today, as we've tried to do that and try to understand what the gospel is all about, who it's meant for, and how we're to be a part of the propagation of that gospel and sharing it with others, Lord, may we be under conviction. Speak to our hearts. Encourage us through these next weeks. And Lord, when Brother Keith Martin is here with us on that third Sunday, to share with us of how ministry teams are supposed to work. Lord, we remember he was the one that was here as associate pastor that helped us build the ministry teams and to get that going in our church, to be a ministry-run church. Lord, I thank you that he's able to come and to preach for us and to teach our team leaders that afternoon and to be a part of what we're going to do in the days ahead. Bless all of these things. Use Keith, use me, use all of your staff here, Lord, to help our folks that we may become the strongest church in Montgomery doing the ministry that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name.